Welcome into the show, Lyman Lane, and thanks for joining us for the premiere of Cookie and the Monster here on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. I am John Cook, and along with Garrett Seawright, we're looking forward to talking sports and probably some other stuff, too, <laughs> with you guys every day from 4 to 6 or 5.30 in the case of today's show, right here in the Basement Doctor Studio above the square in downtown Lima. Uh, it's a new venture for me, a new venture for Garrett, really, and 93.1 The Fan, but it's not like we're trying to reinvent the wheel. Here we are pretty fortunate to have a solid blueprint from which to try to learn and grow. Um, we all know that 4 to 6 p.m. on the fan was done really well for a very, very long time by our dear friend Vince Coza. In fact, the Coza was a home run from 4 to 6 p.m. twice and was equally as good from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. for a stint as well. And I'm not here to tell you that we're going to try to be Vince Coza. That would be foolish and we would be doomed to fail. What I am saying is that we are inspired by what Vince did on these airwaves, and at least in part, his memory motivates us, certainly motivates me, to try and be appointment listening for Lima Land. Um, having said that, fortunately, this is Lima Land, so the passion of our fans and the excellence of our area athletes and coaches always gives us a chance to have interesting and exciting things to talk about. <laughs> Plus, now the Browns are good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since Vince passed approximately 19 months ago, this programming slot, if you will, has seen its share of change. And I'm not at all sure the average listener can really appreciate the challenge that Garrett personally has faced in recent months trying to do a sports talk show while very often at the same time spinning the dials, as Coase used to say. Garrett was actually producing and hosting the show simultaneously most days. Trust me when I tell you that this is a Herculean effort and it would have been incredibly difficult if not impossible for him to sustain. But I also can assure you that when I sent Garrett an off-the-cuff text a couple of months ago or so and told him I would be game if he ever needed a co-host, I didn't think we'd be where we are today. <laughs> uh, can't thank Garrett enough for everything that he's done and is doing to keep 93.1 the fan uh, what it is and always has been, and that's smart, entertaining, engaging, and informative radio with a heavy local flavor. And that's what we're going to keep doing. I want to thank General Manager Phil Austin and Wolf Blue owner Jay Chapman for allowing us this opportunity, and welcome in. Garrett, let's talk sports. Yeah, let's do it. I'm uh, excited to be here with you, Cookie. I'm glad that uh, you are uh, the guy that we uh, we decided it wasn't going to be uh, just any old Joe that we pulled off the street to, to do this. So uh, glad, that it's, uh, glad that it's you, and glad uh, we're getting it kicked off underway here this afternoon. Well, and, and from at least from my perspective, I, I'm glad that it's August and not late June. <laughs> so oh. we'll have a few things to talk yeah. about, and uh, I, I am excited. I mean, you know, people who regularly listen know that I've, I've, I've done a few different things here, you know, as a, as a fill-in host and a substitute host and co-host on Saturday mornings and, and way, way back did the scoreboard show uh, just to kind of get started with my involvement in, in this place, and I said then and I say still, it, it's to me, it's just important to be a part of a team. That's That's what I like. Uh, being a part of a team and and you know with the way life has unfolded for me um i didn't expect to be a head coach last winter and i was right, right. i didn't expect to be looking to do anything different i you know coaching is just not really something i can do right now and probably because of my age not something i'm likely to do again but this is something that i relish uh the opportunity to spend time talking about and talking with uh, our our athletes our coaches our fans um, you know, around Lima Land because the sports here is phenomenal, and, and and because we're Lima Land, then we can also, you know, we can get deep into to Buckeye sports and, and the Browns and the Bengals, and I hope we can get into the Bengals at some point uh, again. It's it's just you know it's what we do here, and it's 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 really to me an exciting time to be a part of it. 
Um, but it's new, and, and so the kickoff is exciting to me. We appreciate anybody uh, that's chosen to listen. Again, we're you know we're with you till five thirty, roughly today, before we got to step aside for the tribe and and the Reds. And you know it's four to six every day. So we we appreciate you joining us. And um, I, I like Mondays because. I didn't have to generate content. Right. It was got, a it was a fairly busy weekend. Yeah, you got three extra days to find something to talk about rather than you know eight hours <laughs> or, or so. Where, you know, where and especially you get an extra Hall of Fame induction ceremony that you you don't usually get on a on a weekend, let alone any other year. So yeah, there was a, a little extra going on this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know how it works out that you get the end of the Olympics and two Hall of Fame induction ceremonies to happen on the same weekend, but I'll take it. And and with that, to, to talk about kind of the weekend observations, the things that, that stood out to me, and I've been waiting to do this. So yeah, and we, we'll talk about yours, yours as well, but everybody who knows me knows that I'm a basketball guy. And whether or not a basketball guy can do a full sports talk show, I guess we'll have to wait <laughs> we'll and see. We'll figure but, it out. But Team USA won the gold, and it really is one of those things that strikes a nerve with me because everybody will stretch and yawn and want to know why we want to talk about Team USA winning the gold in men's basketball. And those are the same people who wanted to talk a lot about how awful we were USA oh. basketball when we lost to, to France, when we lost an exhibition game to Nigeria. When we, and I, I don't prognosticate well. I don't make predictions and have mm-hmm. them go right, right, really, ever. But I can tell you that when that happened to, against Nigeria and when it happened, um, I forget whoever else beat them in the second exhibition game. Australia? Yeah, I think it was Australia beat them in the second exhibition before they, they went to the Olympics. I said at that time, you know, I, I'm not sure what we're making a huge deal about this for. We, we really don't know who our roster is yet. We've spent no time together. We're coming out of an in, NBA season that was 70 games off of the shortest offseason in the history of the league. COVID still is what it is. Um, you know, going into a scenario where you're playing with a different set of rules that FIBA basketball presents against teams that spend a lot more time together playing together, by growing the, by together. By those rules. By those exact rules. And let's face it. Nigeria could say, we get to play the Americans. The Americans were going to say, we have to play Nigeria? Right. The, well, <laughs> well, and you got guys that are on the end of the bench that are thinking, okay, great. This, I, I'm gonna I get might to, get I'm, my right, minutes. I'm going to get to play some minutes against Nigeria, and then all of a sudden, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. And whether that's a problem or not, but, but <laughs> I, I, was, I was one of those people that thought, if they're losing to Nigeria and France or Australia or whoever it was there in the exhibition in Las Vegas... This isn't going to go well. And somehow, some way, and now I think Kevin Durant deserves a whole heck of a lot of credit because without him, they're not sniffing a medal. Yeah. But well, they, and, they put it together and won, and won the gold. And that's another part of the argument, though. I got into it with, a, with a, an acquaintance of mine over the weekend when they said, well, if they didn't have Durant, they'd been in trouble. I said they had Durant when they lost, and nobody was saying, we'll be fine because we got Durant. Right. You know, I, that was part of my feeling of somewhat a, a level of confidence getting to the Olympics is we're going to get more time. We're going to develop. If we stay healthy, we've still got the guy that nobody else has an answer for. Right. And it took all of that. And, and I've said this too. I, I think there's a great deal of, of neglect on the part of the average fan, and I put that in air quotes, to realize that the minute that we sent our pros to the Olympics, we were going to allow the gap to narrow. Because the right. world was going to be exposed to that level of play and that kind of coaching. And then to our credit as a country, a lot of our really good coaches have spent time overseas in clinics and coaching teams and right. being coaching involved. national teams that and Mike Brown is the coach of Nigeria. Like, 
Well, former and, Cavs and, coach Mike Brown is, and and Don and Donnie Nelson have spent time over there. Del Harris right, coached Del Harris the Chinese coach, national team. China, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's just been a lot of those and guys that that the average fan may not know. Guys like Bob McKillop at Davidson, who's one of the most respected mm-hmm. coach. He is a legend in Europe because of what he's done on the clinic circuit over there. And 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 that those coaches' clinics have value. And you're looking at teams that get well coached by those different rules. They only play a 40 minute game, which makes upsets a lot more likely. Right. And and there's only five fouls, uh, you know, permitted. Which, which again, all of those things are designed to help an underdog a little bit more. So, was I super excited and, and felt that the gold medal was a great accomplishment? Yes, I was because I believe that it is a great accomplishment in this era to do what they did. I'm fully aware that Kevin Durant was the difference, and I'm fine with that um, because no one, and I don't, and Durant said no one. There were a lot of people. It's hard to say no one, but there were a large number of people who had decided that we were in trouble and we couldn't win the gold. And those are the same people that I think are saying now, well, what's the big deal? It's us we're supposed to win. Oh, see, I was in the camp of, like, this is going to be a problem just because of the different rules, because they've played so much basketball over the course of the last calendar year. And when the NBA announced their schedule last year, I thought – you got to be done before the Olympics. You got to wrap it up before that to to kind of sh- make yourself available and make everybody available because it only helps the NBA if all those players, if Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier and all these guys that you saw in big time situations, it, it helps the NBA if they're able to play on that stage too. So I thought going into it, you lose to Nigeria, you lose two games in the exhibition, and it's like, oh, okay, well. And I saw people compare it to you know preseason in the NFL. Preseason in the NFL, you got 90 guys. You're going to cut half your roster by then. That was Team USA. That was the group that was going to Tokyo. And if they're losing in these exhibitions, I thought, man, this isn't going to go well. And I, I I mean, I tweeted during the gold medal game. I was having lunch with Katie Gilhooley from the TV stations, and she does her show here on Saturday mornings. And I said, I don't think this is going to go very well. She was like, do you think? Like, I was like, I don't know that they're going to medal. I don't know that they have the best team there because the best guys on Team USA outside of Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum were said, you know, hey, I, I, I can't, I can't do this. I don't want to do this or whatever. And I thought, I don't think this is going to go very well. Now I'm also very much like, hey, if maybe if you weren't the best team, you still came home with the gold medal. You still figured it out. You still got the job done. So it is a gigantic accomplishment. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm part of the person you describe. But I, I think it's a big accomplishment for them to do it. Well, I'll make this statement, and then I'll, I'll let you share an observation before we have to get to a break. But I really believe them losing to France in the first game of the Olympics is what – I don't think had, the, had France beaten them in the opener, had that not happened, I'm not sure they would have won in the gold medal oh. game. If they, were, if they had already beaten France and were playing them for a second time, if that, that role was reversed, I'm not 100% right, sure they wouldn't have lost. something to prove Absolutely. in that moment. Yeah, they and, wanted those guys pretty bad. Yeah, they did, and they, and they played like it too. And they, they didn't wait – like – they got this tendency to just like, okay, we're Team USA. At some point, we'll flip the switch, we'll turn it on, and, and a 14-point deficit will go away. And they didn't play like that in the gold medal game. They came out as if, hey, well, let's kick their tail from the get-go and not have to worry about it. I, I could spend the whole show talking about the mindset of all the different teams that I watched in that tournament. It was really fascinating. But anything for the weekend stand out for you? Uh, so the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony, I, I love. And I've got two very quick ones. One is... I. I bet the dude who makes the busts feels a lot more pressure now than he used to. If you look at Troy Polamalu and Edger and James busts, they are significantly more difficult than like Dick Butkus. Like Dick Butkus is a square with some eyes on him. And Troy Polamalu's, you know, got a lion mane. Edger and James has 6,000 worms climbing out of his head. So I bet that guy feels a lot more pressure than he used to. And also, I feel like 
and, and uh, part of this I think is funny, and then uh, I'm p- partly serious. Is some dudes deserve a little more time than others at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony with their speeches? Yeah, the six like, minute rule across the board is not yeah. real fair. Well, like you know, God love Steve Hutchinson or uh, Isaac Bruce or whoever you want to throw in there. Peyton Manning deserves a little more time than. And to just say, hey, you got to wrap this up in six minutes. To, to say that those, that, you know, Peyton Manning or Jimmy Johnson or whoever is on equal footing with, and I realize that, you know, they're all in the Hall of Fame. But to, to say, you know, hey, you've got as much time as everybody else, uh, you know, I think some guys maybe deserve a little bit more time. How clutch others. was Peyton, though? Oh, I'll tell you great. what, we're going to go ahead and take our first Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we get back, we may get back into more of our weekend observations. We got some poll questions for you, and we got guests today. Mark Ray is going to join us uh, in the first hour, and, and we're also going to talk at the top of the second hour with Allen East High School head football coach Joel Billings. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us right here on Cookie and the Monsters, Porch Radio 93 on the fan. 419-227-9393-188-894-3776. That's 888-894-ESPN. We'll get you on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Uh, when there's a topic that you want to discuss, we're going to have some open time probably around 445 and would love to hear from you. Uh, we also like your participation, as we always have uh, daily here uh, on Sports Radio 93 on the fan, and our poll questions that are on Twitter. Garrett, what do we got today? Yeah, so the very first poll question is because there's been a lot of discussion about whether Quinn Ewers can actually be the starting quarterback at Ohio State as a true freshman or not. I don't think many believe he could. So I got the mind turning of who had the best true freshman season in Ohio State history? We've got four options. There's David Boston, Maurice Claret. J.K. Dobbins, and Andy Katzenmoyer. And uh, as you might guess, Maurice Claret <laughs> has ran away with the voting so far. I think it's closer than what people I think it is. I absolutely agree. In fact, I, to, to, to tell the truth, I voted in the poll, and I did not vote for Maurice Claret. Andy Katzenmoyer had 12 sacks as a freshman, as a linebacker as a freshman. That's that's pretty impressive. J.K. Dobbins had better stats than Maurice Claret did. Now, did he play yeah, a couple you, more games? Yes, but well, you, but your poll question doesn't ask who was on a better team and had a great year. That's that's right, not the right. issue. Maurice Claret had a lot of hype, and Ohio State won the national championship. And he missed a ton of games, or and, a ton of time. And if you know, if he doesn't strip Sean Taylor after the interception, you know they probably don't win the national championship. Whatever. David Boston caught the game-winning touchdown in the Rose Bowl as a true freshman, and he's got two percent of the vote. He caught like seven touchdown passes. He got three in one game as a true freshman. Can you say recency bias? Right. Well, and I tried to stay like I, I was like, okay. Um, I had Joey Bosa in here for a moment, and I thought, like, all these dudes are from <laughs> since yeah. the turn of the yeah. century to sound like an old man. But David Boston caught seven touchdowns as a true freshman, one in the Rose Bowl to beat the number one team in the country. Yeah, there, there's a. I mean, and I'm not taking away. From, you're entitled to your opinion, but I. But it absolutely is closer than than that vote would indicate. Because as you said, I mean, J.K. Dobbins' numbers as a true freshman were he had 1,400 yards rushing. It's unbelievable. Like, and I don't. You know, I don't know that we appreciate that just because that's a, a time in Ohio State's history where you know they're scoring 50 points a game and averaging 650 yards of offense or whatever. Those are ridiculous numbers. Those are stupid numbers for uh, uh, anybody, let alone a true freshman. Maurice Claret had 1,200 yards as a true freshman and 16 touchdowns, and J.K. Dobbins is at 1,400 yards. So I, I would encourage people to vote. In that. I, it's interesting. I knew that that was out there, and, and – um I'm not surprised at the way the vote is going, yeah, but, it, but I, I don't think it's it's necessarily an informed vote. I think it's very much an emotionally driven vote 
based around the success of the team. When I put it together, I knew, okay, Maurice Claret's going to win. But somebody gave me 12 sacks as a true freshman at linebacker is insane. Andy Katzenmoyer was awesome. I don't know. I might be like the chief of the Andy Katzenmoyer fan club because he was the, like, that was back when, like, playing middle linebacker meant you were a dude. And he was doing it as a true freshman. And 12 sacks is insane. And by the way, way, the Lindenware Arches number. (laughs) Right. That's right. Right. Uh, If you want to talk more Ohio State football, hear more Ohio State football, you'll want to join us on the other side of this break. We're going to be visiting with Buckeye Sports Bulletin Managing Editor Emeritus, Mark Ray. You got that right. Uh, Man, that is going to be a mouthful. And if I screw that up while I'm introducing Mark, I'll really be disappointed. We'll get a chance to practice during the break. And we're going to ask him this question. Absolutely. I, I I don't know that he'll say Maurice Claret. He might. In fact, but, I, I think I'll let you start with that question. Yeah, I think I, that would be I, well, yeah, well done. Do so we'll take a short Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we will visit with Mark Ray. This is Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Hey, you got to hand it to our guy, Rick Burgay. He tells us there's going to be thunderstorms in the forecast all week. And I look out the basement doctor studio window, and we're getting a little wet. That's there. all you can see. <laughs> Uh, I used to be able to see out that window, and now he's uh, coming down here on the square in downtown Lima. On the square in downtown Lima. Hey, welcome back in. It's Cookie and the Monster, our premier show. I am John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. We will be with you weekdays from 4 to 6, or as I said at the open of the show, 4 to 5.30 today so that the Indians can compete with the Reds. And Can, can they? Uh, well, can, can they? as a Reds fan, I can tell you, I, I, I just shudder at the thought of having expectations. <laughs> I, I, I get you. I feel you. Shudder at the thought. But we are presented by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com, and you can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Uh, I, I'm so looking forward to Ohio State football, and for a totally different reason than I have in a long, long time. Um, and, and I don't really know how to put my finger exactly on it, but there's something about the uncertainty and the, for whatever to, to whatever degree it's true, the, the the reduced expectations on an individual to carry the team. Um, I, I feel like there's a chance for something special to happen when you have that, when, when, when there are some unknowns and things like that. And I really trust this coaching staff. So it, it excites me. But more than anything else, I'm, I'm really glad we get the opportunity to talk to, to some experts uh, about these things. And, and as a guy who listened to this station for a long time before I did you know any part-time work and fill-in work and, and those things, and got to be a part of it, um, probably my favorite guest. Um, and the guy that I felt like I was going to learn something from when he was on was always Mark Ray. And I am thrilled to bring in uh, the managing editor emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin. And that mouthful I struggle with continually. Uh, Mark, this is John and Garrett. How, uh, thanks for joining us, first of all. How are you? Uh, as the coach used to say, much better now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if we can get references and homages to Coase every single day of this show, I'm signing on for as long as they'll keep me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm all up for that. Well, it is, it's great to hear from you. Great to talk to you. And I have a number of questions I'd like to ask, but the first one needs to come from Garrett because he put our poll question for Twitter together today, and I'm, I can't wait to hear your response. Yeah, Mark. So the very first poll, the first, the poll question we have up right now at 93 on the fan on Twitter is... Who had the best true freshman season in Ohio State history? So there's four options. There's David Boston, Maurice Claret, J.K. Dobbins, and Andy Katzenmoyer. And I would love to know, to know your response to that question. Well, that's pretty easy. It was Maurice Claret. 
uh, just because if he's not on the field, Ohio State does not win that national championship. And I contend that if he was on the field in 2003, they'd have gone back to back. But you know that's a that's a discussion and an argument we can have for another time. Uh, the other three guys, absolutely outstanding in their freshman seasons. But um, if you go back to 2002 and what Claret did, and uh, you know the way he did it. Uh, he was he was injured most of that year, um, and still you know studded it out. So I, I'd go with him. Yeah, you and eighty percent of our of our <laughs> listening audience have gone with Maurice Claret, and, and, and obviously I think he's the like standout choice. But I, I, I mentioned in the last set, Andy Katzenmoyer had twelve sacks as a true freshman. Yeah. Like that is that's insane. Well, and I think you know, in what used to be linebacker, you it's it's kind of fallen off in the last couple of years, but. More than a little. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I think I think Andy gets kind of a short shrift, and, and I I I guess it's because um, you know of all the you know the crap that he went through because of you know one Sports Illustrated article. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't his fault, but you know he he had the kind of academic standing that he did. Uh, he was still eligible uh, under the terms of, in those days. But that guy was a stud, and he would have been a stud in the NFL if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, he doesn't do himself any favors uh, nowadays. He, he's wary of the press. Imagine that. Right. And he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. But, you know, he's got a thing going on in Westerville. He's, uh, I think he owns a, a weight training facility. Mm-hmm. And from all from all I can see, that he's, you know, living his best life. But, you know, when you talk about linebackers at Ohio State, of course, Chris Spielman comes to mind as, as everybody's favorite, but I'm telling you, Katz was right up there with him. I, I got to ask, Mark, if if I mean Claret missed some time as a freshman, there were there were monstrous yep. struggles during that year. I mean the the, the game and I mean there were several games that were uh, in question late, and and they pulled it out. If 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 the team doesn't win a national title, does it impact the perception of Claret's freshman year? Do you think? Oh, I think so. Sure. Um, you know, I think any time you win a national championship, that that puts, you know, the individual performances in a different perspective. You know, look at the 2016, Troy Smith wins the Heisman Trophy, and then they go to the national championship and lay a dinosaur <laughs> egg. Yeah. So, you know, I think they win that game. They beat Florida in that game. And I think, you know, Troy Smith is, is in the conversation as best quarterback ever at Ohio State. He's not in that conversation, although he probably should be. Uh, but yeah, I think championships, national championships, especially elevate the individuals that were on that team. Mark, is there somebody on Ohio State's roster right now that we could look at somewhere somewhere down the line and, and view Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord or C.J. Stroud as one of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history? Oh yeah, um, absolutely, and and even Jack Miller, if he ever got the chance, I don't think he's going to. But you know, they, they've they've recruited, and I I told Coz this you know two three four years ago. It's amazing the way Ohio State recruits. Uh, you know, there's there's really only two, well three now that you know, uh, Dabo's joined the, the bunch. Those three guys, Saban, Dabo, and, and Ryan Day are the three guys that everybody's chasing. There's nobody in the Big Ten, and I don't care. You know, you can have an argument about any any of the other 13 coaches. There's nobody that's recruiting on Ohio State's level, and the proof is in uh, you know the national the, the championship game. Um, they've won what six out of ten. 
and they they go every year, they win every year. You know, people say, "Well, I'm tired of seeing the same teams in the, in the playoff. Let's expand it." If you're tired of seeing the same teams, get better. You know, recruit better. <laughs> um, it, it's you know the the formula is is not that difficult. Implementing it is, but you know, there. I can't tell you how many coaches in college football would love to have just one of Ohio State's quarterbacks. And that's not even counting the high school junior that may join them here, you know, presently. So, and, and with all of the the talent they have at the quarterback position, that pales in comparison to what they have at the running back mm-hmm, position. Mm-hmm. And that pales in comparison to what they have at the wide receiver position. So, you know, it's it's not next guy up. It's like the the best competition Ohio State sees from week to week is on the practice field. And and yet, Mark, it seems like I mean, obviously, the expectations are always going to be high. It seems like there's a little more uncertainty around this team. And while we look ahead to what the team's capable of, it seems to me like I see a lot more headlines about who's leaving, or who's transferring <laughs> out, or who's decommitted yeah. than I hear about the other things. How, how big of a deal is it when we see these guys entering the, the transfer portal, or the guys that have decommitted? What is that? Is that really detrimental to Ohio State, or is that more uh, a perception issue that could cause them a problem? You know, I think that's a real good question. Um, I do and my obviously best. Obviously, we don't have a whole lot of, you know, one-on-one contact with the team anymore, especially, you know, after last year in the COVID situation. And I think Ohio State, Ryan Day, like it that way. <laughs> but I think, you know, basically I think it's just outside noise because, you know, for, for instance, if uh, Kyle McCord, you know, he he's he's intelligent. I mean, he knows what's ahead of him. He he knows what he can be. He's 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 uh, you know confident in in his ability. He looked at the roster and he still signed with Ohio State. Uh, Quinn Ewers, who's you know a high school, going to be a high school senior if he stays in high school. He knows what the roster looks like. He knows he's ahead of him, and still he's like, I don't care. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to beat those guys out. And if they don't, you know, the new normal is is the transfer portal. Um, and these guys. You know, I, I think C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord are all going to be star quarterbacks in college. They obviously can't be all star quarterbacks at Ohio right, State. Right. You know, a couple of them are going to have to transfer out, but you know, wherever they transfer is going to get. Not only are they going to get the benefit of a, of a, court, a young quarterback with ability, they're going to get a quarterback who's had at least one year of tutelage under Ryan Day. So you know, that's I don't know that you could put a price tag on that. I think that's a fair point if ever there was one. Managing Editor Emeritus Mark Ray joins us on the uh, on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Mark Ray, the Buckeye Sports Bowl attended. Mark, uh, at Big Ten Media Days, Ryan Day said he, he didn't know who his starting quarterback was going to be. He hadn't decided that, etc. <laughs> do, do do I assume by the chuckle that you, you don't buy that for a second, just like I, I don't buy that for a second. No, no, I don't buy that. And and he said this week that he'll know by this weekend. Well, he's known since the spring, I think, right. that it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Um, and I think Kyle McCord and Jack Miller know that. Um, and I think C.J. Stroud knows that, regardless of what he says. Look, you you got to I, – I, I know what the coach speak is, and I know mm-hmm. you've got to get – you've got to keep everybody involved, and you've got to keep, you know, everybody on the same page thinking they got a chance. And, you know, one of those guys has got to be the backup. You know, you got to have a backup. Uh, the last time Ohio State – won the national championship, they won it with a third-string quarterback. So, you know, everybody's going to get to play at least a little bit. 
But you got to have a starter. You got to name him, and you got to name him quick because you know you got to get these, um, you know, the first and second teams down. Who's going to get the most reps? And and you can't you can't continue to go into a season, you know, getting two guys equal reps because it just doesn't work that way. So I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud, and I think pretty much everybody else does too. Uh, understandably, there's a ridiculous amount of focus on that position when you consider that whomever it is, and we're, we're going to assume C.J. Stroud, they know, we all know what that guy is following and the shoes into which he's stepping, whether it's whether it's the last guy or the guy before that or the guy before that, there's, there's big shoes to fill. But it would seem to me that if you looked at last year's team performance, uh, it's the other side of the ball that had the most question marks. And I, I'm curious to what, see what you think about uh, how much pressure do you think is on Kerry Combs as as the leader of that defense, you know, when you consider that they that they don't have the certainty of the explosive offense that they had, they don't have the certainty at the quarterback position. Does it put more pressure and more of an onus on the defensive side of the ball? Well, if it doesn't, it should. Um, you know, I'm I'm like everybody else. I think that it was pretty much aghast at the way Ohio State played the national championship game defensively. Um, the linebackers, and I alluded to this earlier, the linebackers the last couple of years just have not been up to Ohio State standards. And, and you know, no disrespect to Lima Senior, they haven't been up to Lima Senior standards the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what they were doing with the linebacker crew, but, uh, you know, I, I wish those guys well, and I also <laughs> bid them a fond farewell. Um, let's get somebody else in here and, and see what they can do. I, I think the back seven or, you know, however they're going to play it. Uh, the defensive line will be fine, and that's even with the loss of Tyler Friday. They've got defensive ends coming out their ears, and, and you know, defensive tackle Haskell Garrett's back, and, you know, they'll be fine up front. What they do with linebackers and then the secondary, I think that's, you know, anybody's guess. And, and you know, the, your question was, do they feel pressure? They'd better because – you know, I don't think anybody expects Ohio State to, to go out there and average 45 points a game with a brand-new quarterback. You know, they might uh, if, <laughs> if he can get the, <laughs> the ball to the receivers and, and, you know, hand off to that stable of running backs. You know, they just might average 45. But I don't think you can go into the season expecting that. You, you have an inexperienced quarterback, and, and you know, they're going to – whoever it is, they're going to make a mistake here and there. So um, you can't be giving up. 25, 30, 35 points and, and giving up all these stretch plays on the outside if you expect to to win them all. And, and you know, that's what Ohio State expects to do. Mark, is there any concern that if you weren't good enough to beat out Tough Borland and Pete Werner and those guys that you're still there, that maybe they've even taken another step backwards at the position? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's a legitimate question. Um, you know, if you weren't good enough to beat those guys out, um, and, and I, you know, I asked, I always asked the question in a more roundabout way because, you know, I never wanted to get thrown out of a press conference. But, um, you know, it, it, what do you guys see during practice that, you know, the untrained fan's eye is not seeing on Saturday? Um, and I always would get a question of, well, you, you, you know, you guys don't know what to look for. I mean, I thought, I may not know what to look for, but I know when a guy's chasing instead right. of attacking. Well, right. I see Devontae you know, Smith running past Tough Borland in the national championship game. I know that. Hey, I ain't looking for that. Right. That That's not what I want yeah. to see. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not looking for Pete. You know, I kept I kept being told about how Pete Warner was this and Pete Warner was that, and he had a great lot of football sense. That may be true, and Pete may be the greatest guy ever, and you may want him to marry your daughter. But you know, the guy was a chaser. Um, you know, I don't I don't want a linebacker that chases. I want a linebacker that attacks. Um, you know, and Tuff Borland, bless his soul, he, he just wasn't the same since he had that Achilles uh, problem, and I. I fear for the same thing about Cameron Brown. He tore his Achilles last year, and they say he's going to start a cornerback. Well, okay, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But um, they again, they recruited well. They've got you know they got guys coming in. They've got a linebacker that's transferring in from USC if he ever gets eligible. And I've been practicing his name, and I believe it is <laughs> Paula EA. Not Otate. No, that I messed it up. <laughs> you'll, you'll get chances. Jeez, I can't do it. Not Otate. That's it. <laughs> Not Otate. I'll, I'm I'll, work get, on I'll it. get better as the season goes on. But anyway, the, you know, the, they've, they've, there's no question. They've got to do better at linebacker, and they've got to do better in the secondary. Or, or you know, I, yeah, I, if I were if I were Kerry Combs, I'd be fearing for my job. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark, that we could do this for a lot longer than the constraints of this program are going to allow. And I hope that you will consider joining us on a somewhat regular basis. We'd love to visit with you more, and we're going to have a lot to discuss as the season gets started here uh, in the next few weeks and, and uh, obviously you know, progresses toward what we hope is a Big Ten title and pursuit of another national championship. But I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us and hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Anytime, guys. All right, Mark. Thanks. That's Mark Ray, Managing Editor Emeritus of the Buckeye Sports Bulletin. I am going to choke over that every time I talk about it, but really good to have Mark back on the program. Cookie and the Monster on Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Hour number two. How are one in the books, Garrett? I guess we're going to at least finish one show. Yeah, well, I mean, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but yeah, there's still a half hour to go. We can mess this up. We can take this train off the tracks. <laughs> Thanks to Jerry Lewis McDonald's Restaurants, our sponsor. You can apply at work at mcd.com, and you can work today, get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. So, hour number two, and because I happen to join the, the, the show now, we, we had to cut what have been two-a-days down to one-a-day. Yeah, yeah, And that, that would just blame me. Well, no, no, uh-huh. I, to be fair, I have failed. I, I, and I, I was very upfront and said, we are going to try to get two coaches on. Am I going to mess this up? 100%. And so today we're just going to go. We're just going to go one a day. Well, I got a little long winded at the start of the show. I was kind of insist that we try to get Mark Ray. So I kind of, and, and we <laughs> well, only have until five thirty. Right. So. We, we went a little hard in the first hour. So we'll <laughs> we'll take it. That's good. We, That's we need a rest good. day to just have one practice. I don't. Well, and and it, I think a lot of these shows are going to feel like practice. That's okay. <laughs> You're probably, that's you're, that's, that's there's right. more truth to that than you'd like. That's the way it goes. But we are going to talk a little high school football right now. We are going uh, fortunate to be joined by Joel Billings, the head football coach at Allen East High School. Joel in his second year. And looking forward to the conversation with Joel. To start with, Joel, let's just, uh, first question. You had a very short practice time and you had a scrimmage already. How is practice and the scrimmage gone for you guys? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so far, you know, I've been pretty pleased uh, so I feel like you know we have a lot of holes to replace from last year. Um, it was a really good senior class, um, but we have a lot of juniors. You know, we really we have um, there's around 15 of them. Um, you know, about two started and four lettered last year, and you know they're eager to get in. And uh, we're really just trying to sort out pieces and and get everybody in the uh, best chance to be successful. Yeah. So uh, you you mentioned um, you know that. Uh 
you lost a decent amount from from last year that uh, you had a bunch of guys who had really kind of taken that program from, um, you know, maybe not uh, where everybody in the Allen community wanted to see it go up to where, where you have gotten to. You lose a lot of those guys. How is the replacement of some of those some of those guys that that are contributors for you who have played really good football, but but maybe have to take on new roles? How, how is that process working out so far? Uh, it's been really good. You know, it's been a lot of learning. Um, you know, honestly, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it was young kids and, and younger kids when you got a lot of juniors. Um, you know, it's good to see their growth, um, you know, and uh, it, it has it's been good. Yeah, so you got that uh, that first scrimmage uh, on, was it Friday, that you were a part of the yeah. the Bell Fountain, Van Wert, LCC, Allen East? That, that, that was the scrimmage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at Bell Fountain with the uh, with those teams. Yeah. So how did uh, how did you feel like that that first scrimmage uh, went for you guys? And was it different knowing that you know you'd only had just a couple of days of practices and pads? Did that look different than a than a usual a quote unquote usual uh, first scrimmage did? Yeah. You know, I was pleased. Um, you know, I don't think we had you know too many errors. You know, our kids put in a lot of work you know, before pads get on, you know, and, you know, exchanges were clean, uh, snaps were good defensively. I feel like you know, with the limited amount of time we had that we tackled pretty well, um, you know, all things considered, I, I, you know, I feel like we put, you know, a pretty physical team uh, together on the field over there Friday. So you, you had your first year under what was less than ideal circumstances with the, the, the abnormality that was created by COVID. As a second year head coach, do you feel like you're still going through any sort of a learning curve because of what uh, what was last year and how disjointed things were? Well, I think uh, I've been doing this for a while. Obviously, I've been head coach for a while, but I've been mm-hmm. around football. I think last year was a, was a really big learning curve. Um, anytime you take on a head coach, you, you're really not going to know everything until you do it. Um, you know, I feel like holistically last year was, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of added stress and some scenarios you wouldn't normally deal with, but holistically it didn't really have a, a huge impact on our season. Um, you know, we were able to play. We didn't have too many kids quarantined. We didn't have to cancel games. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and, um, you know, I'm still trying to get better every day, you know, just like I, I tell our players they need to be. Joel, uh, tell me about some of the guys you've got back that uh, are uh, guys you're going to have to rely on to be some playmakers for you offensively, defensively. Who are guys that we should be looking out for for the Mustangs here as we get closer and closer to kickoff? Um, well, you know, I'll start up front. Um, you know, we really have three, almost four, uh, of our offensive line back. Uh, Alec Winter is a senior. Uh, you know, big kid, uh, physical, really improved last year. Um, you know, he's had a good summer as well. Uh, Eli Cribley will play guard, um, real big, strong, physical kid. Uh, played as a sophomore and as a freshman. Um, Gunnar Rister is another guard, uh, you know, another experienced kid, uh, you know, physical as well. Uh, Evan Schaefer will be at a tackle spot. Um, you know, he hasn't really held a starting spot on the offensive line. You know, he's really been a, a four-year starter for us, um, but he's got a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And then at center, you know, we've got some, some juniors and a sophomore, you know, that are competing for that spot. Uh, out at receiver, um, you know, we have Carter Young and Garrett Newland back. Um, those were number two and three in uh, production behind Braden last year. 
And then we've got a lot of new faces. Um, you know, Chase Miller will play some receiver for us this year. Um, you know, he's a senior. Uh, he's been playing defense for a while now. Um, you know, he really is a kid that, you know, he can uh, break tackles and he's real physical once he, once he catches the ball. Um, and then some, uh, some other newcomers, you know, Keaton Lehman uh, is a junior. Uh, he's had a real good summer. He's a real dedicated kid. Uh, Caleb Hopkins, another junior, uh, a big frame, uh, has caught the ball well. And then Bryce Avery will be another junior um, who will be you know, playing some receiver as well. Uh, quarterback, um, we have Jacob Hirschberger, you know, played a lot of defense, uh, filled in a little bit last year, uh, and Tyler got dinged. Um, and then Keaton Miller, uh, another you know, more of a big pocket-type passer, but you know, it's pretty athletic as well. Uh, at running back, we have Jack Hole, who played quite a bit last year as a freshman. Um, you know, real physical. Um, you know, low pad level. Uh, then we got some other guys. You know, um, Wyatt Paxson, another junior, and Cade Wireman, who can uh, all fill in that role as well. Well, you obviously graduated a lot, as you mentioned in your senior class. You've mentioned you've got a large junior class, but it sounds like you got a lot of athleticism on the perimeter as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like we're going to be a pretty balanced team. Um, you know, with the guys we've got back uh, up front, you know, I think we're going to be able to run the ball. You know, like we said, Jack uh, Jack looked really good Friday. Um, you know, the guys that are coming in behind him look good. Um, you know, Jacob threw the ball pretty well. And, uh, you know, we've got some receivers that are, um, you know, stepping up and um, really have developed some consistency over the summer. Well, Joel, we appreciate you giving us some of your time here this uh, this afternoon. I, I know that it's a busy time for everybody trying to cram everything in, maybe into a little accelerated schedule than normal, but uh, we appreciate yeah. you hopping on with us and, and telling us about the Mustangs. We thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Garrett, anytime we, we have guests on like this, and you've interviewed a couple guys a day at, at times, and it's undeniable that one of the key topics of conversation is the condensed preseason because of everything yeah. starting early because of the playoffs. Are you getting more coach speak or are you getting leg- what you think are legitimate responses to how coaches are dealing with it? I think there's there's truth into the um, the OHSAA taking off. the In the past you were only allowed to be with your kids 10 days during the summer and then this year they I think the last two years actually they've said do it unlimited. Whatever you want to do, do it. So some of those guys have said yeah, absolutely. Um, having those extra days in the summer has been nice. But I think if you were to go through and and I, I think I asked Keith Recker of Van Wert, I, I said, you know, would you rather have you know unlimited practice days or would you rather have another week of two days? He's like, oh, I'd rather have another week. Another, I'd rather have another week of two days. Like, okay, well, so th- then you're telling me the truth. So I, I think it's just an adjustment. A lot of the coaches have have said, and, and even with emails and stuff for four hundred nine sports, they have said, I have to be conscious that that first scrimmage is going to look much different than it has in the past, where we are absolutely 100% unequivocally, no matter how much talent we have, we are not going to be as good at our first scrimmage as we have in 2020 because then we had, you know, 12 days of padded practices, and now we're going to have three. <laughs> like, it's just going to be different. With their unlimited uh, contact, if you will, during the summer, did you get a feel for maybe how much more time they spent, like, on install yeah, this it, summer it, than what would be typical? There's been a lot of, like, hey, since... We were only allowed to have helmets and cleats or whatever. We we spent all of our time working on our passing game, and now that we're in full pads, let's let's work on running the ball up the middle. But at the time, you know, let's go seven on sevens and just throw the heck out of the ball. And there have been I've 
heard people talk about maybe some teams throwing the ball more this uh, this fall than they have in the past and things like that. And I think that's going to be one of the one of the the byproducts of being able to throw the ball a little bit more as a group of forty guys rather than a group of eight guys throughout the summer because. You might as well do it. They're giving you the days. You might as well take them, and we'll see who took advantage of them who didn't. Well, high school football is right around the corner. I know it excites most of our listeners. It excites us, and it'll keep some of the folks around here a little bit busier than they have been. Um, but it's an it's just it's what it is. This time of year around here is outstanding, and we look forward to the success and the, and the journeys of a lot of our teams and get a chance to cover them here. We're going to shift gears after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout because, well, it's almost 5.15, so you know what happens. And we're going to talk a little more football, but not high school, not college. We're going to get into a little bit of uh, discussion about your brownies in particular, that quarterback position cookie and the monster on sports radio 93 one the fan and service master at your service welcomes you to football at 515 where hard work determination and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best like bear bryant said it's not the will to win but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference and that's why it's service master they don't cut corners they clean them and yesterday well i guess not yesterday friday the buffalo bills announced a very large contract extension for Josh Allen, their starting quarterback, who many believe the Cleveland Browns should have taken with the first overall pick in 2018. But he got an absolutely fat stack of cash. And so, of course, that makes us ask the question, John, of what does that mean for Baker Mayfield when there's been talk about a contract extension for him? Well, I, you know, I, I am strictly an observer when it comes to this whole NFL quarterback market setting stuff. And every time a guy gets paid, it, it, we, we hear the, the cliche that is cliche for a reason because it's, it's, it's true often is that now it's, it's whoever's next gets the money. Uh, and, and I you know, have heard some conversation about Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Dak Prescott, Baker. That's all kind of a group of guys. Yeah. And, and how's this going to go? The, the, the thing that I guess I'm seeing is, and maybe if this doesn't make me very smart, maybe I'm overstating the obvious – um, th- those other guys are going to get paid because I think everybody is certain or feels certain that they have their guy that they want to build behind and go. Uh, it, it feels to me as though Baker is just going to fall in line and he's not going to be in a position to, to try to reset the market or challenge the market. He's going to get what he gets. My, my question and what that creates in me is, this is Baker Mayfield we're talking about. This is chip on his shoulder, right. two-time walk-on. You know, Does he continue to be the, the walk-on guy that just goes out and proves people wrong? Or does at some point he put his foot down and say, no, by God, I want my money? Yeah, I think you the Browns want to make him in that situation, right? You want him to say, well, Josh Allen got $45 million and Lamar Jackson got $42 million and I got thirty. I'm going to show everybody, I'm going to show the Browns that they should have paid me $45 million. If I'm the Browns, that's best case scenario. One, I save $15 million a year on that guy. And two, I've pissed the one guy off that I want to be angry because he plays better that way. And, but can they bank on that? That's my question. Can they bank I, on that being the response? Or do we get to a point where Baker Mayfield at some point says, I'm tired of having to prove myself. I've proven myself over and over and over and over again. Now, whether or, yeah, not, he ha- whether or not he has... I don't know. Right, if discussion. NFL people say that he has, there's a there's perfectly good debate on both sides of that issue. I just wonder if you reach a point at some point where the guy says, no, it's time to pay me and show me that you believe in me or I don't need to be here. Because the truth of the matter is, 
I don't see that there's any way he's getting more no. than thirty to thirty-two million dollar a year no. contract. I still see it. Well, and, and this morning uh, on the Dan Patrick Show, Dan said, you know, at some point somebody's going to say, "No, enough is enough. I'm not just going to keep raising the market." And I think it stops with Baker Mayfield because I think the Browns have done a really good job, a really smart job of putting this roster together and saying, "Here's how we're going to win." I also think they've made this determination without having the difficult conversation with Baker Mayfield that says. We put all this stuff around you because I don't know that we believe that you can go lead. Could Baker Mayfield lead the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship game? Probably not. Could Josh Allen lead the Browns to a Super Bowl? They would absolutely 100% be the favorites to win the Super Bowl if Josh Allen was in brown and orange. And so I think, one, the Browns can have a, they can hedge their bets a little bit and say, we don't want to be the next Los Angeles Rams or Philadelphia Eagles that – we paid Carson Wentz or we paid Jared Goff too early and then went, oh, God, what did we do? We got to get out of this. So you got that on your side. But then also, I think at some point, you have to have that difficult conversation of you're not as good as Josh Allen. You're not as good as Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's got an MVP. Josh Allen finished second in the MVP. You're not the fourth most valuable player on our, on our offense. So I'm sorry, but I can't afford to pay you $45 million. Now, how he responds to that, I think, is a different thing. To your question, though, does he ever get to that point of being, hey, to hell with this, I have paid my dues, I have proven to you. Does he get there? Yeah. But if he's smart, he gets there in year eight of his career, year nine of his career, not year four, where I think even he would tell you, have I played as good as I want to? No, probably not. How much of an argument, and, and, and I hate that question, let me rephrase that. Do you feel that there's a legitimate argument to be made on his behalf that look at my numbers if you want to, but when you do, factor in that I've had, what, three head coaches in my career? And hey, one of those guys was Freddie Kitchens. Right. And, and I've got a diva wide receiver that I have had a hard time gelling with, and yet we've kept the train on the tracks. We haven't imploded. I need to get some credit for that. You do. Is that worth 15 extra million dollars I was going to say year? 12. I was yeah. going to say 12. <laughs> is that worth 12 million dollars <laughs> extra a year? I don't think the answer to that question is yes. And so I think that one, they're in, I think Baker Mayfield holds the leverage because I think he knows that the general public would would support him in that, in that debate. I think they, I think your typical Browns fan says, this is the one guy who's led us to a pl- playoff win in 30 years, and you're going to let him walk because he wants more than he's worth? Like, y- yeah, I think we are. Well, that, that's, that springboards me to my next question, though, is if you're in Baker Mayfield's camp or if you're Baker Mayfield and you say, I watched what Josh Allen did last year, and no questions asked, he got paid. I know what I did last year, and yet I'm still not paid. Uh I don't know. I, it, it's it, is he a guy that's going to say, you know, what I'll, I'll go out and earn it. I, he always has, right? But, but but even going out and earning it, I mean, if he if he was a forty plus million dollar year quarterback, they'd have already done that. Correct. If they believed that he was. Now, does that mean is that insulting, or does that mean that they believe we have a really complete roster and we have a quarterback that we can pay well and we can win, and everybody is going to get paid? At some point, you know, over the course of right. time. I, I, see, the problem is, is I think there's two ways to deliver that message, and there's two ways to take that message. Because I think if you were to get get a couple of ice cold adult pops into Andrew Barry, and you asked him, "Do you think you could make it to the AFC Championship game with Case Keenum?" He would probably tell you, "Yeah." 
he would probably tell you it is not contingent on Baker Mayfield's play that we are that good everywhere else that I think we could do that. You can't tell Baker Mayfield that. You can't bring him into a meeting and close the door behind you if you could. Uh, you know, we you know we think you know you're good. But are you Josh Allen good? No. You can't tell him that. But I think there's a way to say Josh Allen has elite has an elite arm. Josh Allen has an elite has elite athleticism. Josh Allen has this. Lamar Jackson is an elite athlete. Baker, what are you great at? What are you the best in the NFL at? I, Nothing? I, then I can't afford to pay you $45 million a year. Well, and that's the part that has always been the and no most... Ma- and no matter how they deliver that message, it's probably not going to be well-received because everybody has gotten conditioned to, I'm the next guy that's going to get paid. It's my turn, and I'm going to set the market. And then when they say, actually, we're not going to set the well, market... Well, everybody, meaning the players and the franchises, have behaved yes, that way. Yes. That, so it's, it's going to be a trend-setting action whenever the Browns... If if indeed they do say no, it just because it's your turn, you don't get paid. I don't know that that's so much about Baker as it is about their desire to do this franchise the right way, and and they're in a position where th- they do have a little more leverage because I think they have proven themselves as a franchise. I can't believe I'm saying this out <laughs> loud about the Browns. They've got a plan, right? They're not and they're completely buttoned, and they're buttoned up, and the, and that's the he would I think come out wouldn't come out and say, but would say. This franchise who couldn't find a starting quarterback for three decades is going to let me walk because they don't want to pay me what I'm worth when all they got to do is sign the line and you're set for the next 10 years. Now, are you set for the next 10 years for slightly above average NFL quarterback at an exorbitant price? Yes, but the unknown's a whole lot worse. And NFL GMs and player personnel guys and head coaches, the overwhelming majority are too chicken bleep to, to take that leap of faith. It's always, you know, it's a copycat league. It's a copycat league. There's always got to be one trendsetter. Well, they don't want, they're not going to want to be the trendsetter of we're not going to pay our guy because nobody wants to be known as the team who doesn't pay their, play their, guy, pay their guys. Look, I want to say this and make it clear. I, I, I walk into a lot of rooms in my house that contain three-year-old twins and a nine-year-old stepson, and I'm going to say anyway, I am almost never the smartest guy in any room that I walk into. <laughs> but, so I'm not going to pretend to know, but I, I, I believe this. Front office people in any sport, regardless of profession, simply don't want to make the mistake that gets you fired. Correct. They'll make mistakes that other people would have made, and you right. don't get fired for making the mistakes that other people would have made. You, you don't fear that mistake. You fear the mistake that gets you fired. And in the Browns' case, I think there's still a debate as to whether or not giving him too much money is the one that gets you fired or not giving him enough money you know, is that one that everybody else could get on board with and it was worth the gamble. I don't know that they know, um, but I will say this, and, and not a Browns fan, for the first time in maybe my lifetime, but certainly for the first time in my adult life, I'm going to trust their decision because I feel like they've got a direction and I feel like, and maybe Kevin Stefanski's just kind of you know, hoodwinked all of us. He sets a tone for that franchise along with his general manager that I feel like is more stable, solid, and directional based uh, with confidence than I've ever seen in Cleveland. And doesn't that sound like you're an absolute lunatic for saying that? Oh, absolutely. For, right. It's just there's it's, absolutely no question. Right. There's so much evidence against that viewpoint, and, and now that we they've gotten to that point, one I think speaks volumes to the job that they've done. But then also uh, to go back, I think you're in a you're in a no-win situation of 
there are three doors, basically. Door number one is you pay Baker Mayfield $45 million a year. Does that decision get you fired? There's a good chance of that. You let that guy walk and you draft another quarterback. Is there a good good chance that decision gets you fired? Yeah, because the the success rate of drafting first-round quarterbacks is 50-50. And option number three is you tell the guy, we don't think you're that good. So we're going to pay you $30 million, or we're not going to sign you to an extension. We're going to put you on the franchise tag or whatever. That's the safest option. It's the most difficult option, but it's the safest one from the, do, do I get fired by making this move? Well, i got to no. be honest. It's the one I'm rooting for because it gives us the most oh, content. Oh, I mean, we're, we're looking it's, at a year calendar year's worth of content off that decision, which I think would be fascinating. What we haven't talked about yet, and we've just got a minute or so here, uh, the, the odds to make the Super Bowl have come Ooh. out, and the, the Browns, I think, are in a group of about four teams that have a 6% chance, um, but they're sitting behind Baltimore. I'd like to know what you feel like the basis for that is. is does it come down to Lamar versus Baker? I was going to say, it's Lamar Jackson <laughs> It's Lamar Jackson versus Baker Mayfield. It is. Which one of them can, like, it, can Lamar Jackson propel the Ravens to a Super Bowl? Potentially. Can Baker Mayfield be the reason the Browns don't make the Super Bowl? I think the answer to that question is absolutely. And I think there are people who would sit and say, hey, eventually Lamar Jackson's inability to push the ball down the field and his inaccuracy as a passer is going to be a problem. And, we're, and they're going to say the fact that the one thing that Baker Mayfield might be that is elite is accurate. That right. may be. Especially on the run. Well, like he yeah. can throw, sling it on a run. That, that may get him where he needs to go. Again, we could do this all day. I have had such a blast, Garrett. Thank you guys that joined us for the uh, premiere episode of Cookie and the Monster. We've got Browns and Indians, or excuse me, Browns. Reds, <laughs> Reds and, and Indians, Indians tonight. I, I'm going to call them the Indians forever, probably. But Reds and Indians, it's Luis Castillo versus Sam Hengus. And that is a 6 10 start time. It'll be right here on these airwaves right after our final break. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode, and we hope that you will join us again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Cookie and the Monster right here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.